Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Now a show that's going to give you the truth about the biggest epidemic of our times. We're all a little crazy. And welcome to another week of the Same Here Global Mental Health Podcast. I'm Darren Ravel, joined by Same Here's Eric Hewson. Uh, and uh, it's good to be back for another week. We are joined by Ryan Holinsky, who is Northwestern's quarterback, I must say. This is, this is amazing. Uh, transferred from South Carolina to Northwestern. My love, I'm the greatest collector of Northwestern memorabilia in the world. And uh, if you cut me open, I would bleed purple. Um, but uh, we, we have Ryan on the show uh, this week. We try to be topical um, because of the unfortunate death of Colt Brennan. Um, Ryan, uh, his brother Tyler died by suicide a couple years ago. Uh, the family um, started Holinsky's Hope Foundation, uh, an absolutely awesome foundation dedicated to bringing mental health into the forefront. Um, and uh, so I wanted to, we wanted to bring Ryan on and talk about what's going on with the foundation, what's going on in society at large, um, and Cole Brennan as well. So Ryan, thanks so much for joining us on such short notice. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to at least have a purple ally on this on this call. <laughs> for, for, okay, for the record, I'm wearing a Cornell shirt just because I knew you guys were going to have some camaraderie between two of you. That's one. <laughs> okay, no, two, Darren, one. if most people... Yes, and then mo most people's blood is a purplish blue already. That is so true. That, that is that, that true. always the case. Well, but, um, you know, connecting the dots here, Ryan, you know, with, with what Darren shared, just to let everyone who's listening know, you know, I got to know you, your family, through Kathy Hurst, who's the mother of Hayden Hurst, um, who's just, she's an unbelievable woman. She had reached they had out. Her own and foundation. Has her own foundation, the Hayden Hurst Family Foundation. They had reached out when we had started a number of years ago, and and I didn't know who Hayden was at the time, candidly. And um, you know, obviously, Tyler's story became national news, and the way that Kathy became friends with your mom, Kim, was because you were going to be going to South Carolina, where um, Hayden had had just graduated and and had been drafted. Well, not graduated, had, had been drafted. And, um, you know, we did an event at South Carolina. We did a Gamecocks event for the student athletes and for the coaches and got to know your parents there and all they stand for. And they said something to me. This is it might might be a little bit of a difficult start to the conversation, but I think it's an important one because it shows how how much your parents care about this, how much they're into it, but also how difficult it is. Um I came up to give my testimonial, my story, and share about the organization. And Hayden came up to give his testimonial, his story, and share about the Hayden Hurst Family Foundation. And then your mom came up, and your mom spoke. And she spoke beautifully. And, um, you know, I don't think there was a dry eye in the audience. And and But she looked at at Hayden and I, and she said, the only difference, which which upsets me right now, is that, Eric, you're here. You're able to tell your story for yourself. And Hayden, you're here to help tell your story for yourself. And that Tyler's not, and I need to tell a forum, right? And that when you're a student athlete and you hear that, 
wow, right? So you, you know, Ryan, you've 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 been on this journey with your parents now, with your family, right? It's a whole family uh, initiative. So talk a little bit, if you don't mind, about you know before we go into the details of everything else, just being in this space as an advocate, how how much it's changed your life, obviously off the heels of a tragedy, but what it means to be able to improve people's lives with the message and what you're able to deliver. Well, growing up, you know, having two older brothers that were quarterbacks, you know, I'm like bred to be a quarterback. I'm bred to be the successful student athlete that's going to be everything that he can be, right? And then after my junior season um, of doing everything that I can to get a scholarship and stuff like that, my brother Tyler passes away. And then life opens up a little bit. <clears throat> I realize that I'm more than just a quarterback. You know, I, I now have a platform. I now have a responsibility to be this advocate for mental health. And I have that personal experience within myself and within our family that I can talk on that subject and actually have an impact and be able to talk and talk about that inspires others to basically have that platform as well because i think in today's world there's so much scare there's so much fear in talking about your feelings like you got to be this person if you're a male you got to be tough you got to cover everything up um, and it just being in that spotlight, I think it gives me a great pride because I'm not afraid to talk about that. I, I don't want any other person or any other family to go through what we've gone through uh, because it's it's tough. It's something that I don't want anybody to have got to go through or have gone through. And you know, think, you know what? You know what's interesting? I want to stop you for a sec. Because, yeah. Um, you know, there's a difference between being willing to talk about mental health and making talking about mental health a priority. Yeah. And one of the one of the reasons uh, I could tell that it is the latter for Ryan is because May first hits, and the first and he's post on May first. The first post on May first is it's Mental Health Awareness Month. That means that it's on your calendar. That means that that means that up. Oh, it's time to talk now. May is not the only time to talk, but but because people are talking, there was part of you, Ryan, that said, "Well, I'm going to be first because I'm going to be a leader in this space. I'm, it's not going to be May fifth. So I'm going to be May 8th. I'm going to be a leader that is on my calendar. So well, I, could, I, I, could add, tell, I could tell. I'm going to add to that and, and give you props, Ryan, is, you know, Theo and I have been in the space and, and Theo just joined us. And, you know, I, the reason I first reached out to Theo when we started this organization is because of how real and how genuine he was, right? Like he was telling his story. We've shared this a bunch of times. He wasn't just hanging his hat on PTSD and saying, I have PTSD. And then going through the symptoms, he was getting deep and vulnerable into what happened to him as a child, right? And, you know, what we see often in this space, people with platforms, right? You, you know, you're, you're a college student, you know, Ryan, but you got a significant following on Twitter, right? You got a significant following in social media. People want to hear what you have to say. And, you know, to be willing to do what Darren said, where it's not, you know, uh, uh, only when the spotlight's on me that I'm going to say something, but instead I'm going to proactively talk about this. That's number one. You know, we, we unfortunately with Theo and I see a lot is because we, we take notices, Hey, if this guy or this gal gets this endorsement deal, mm -hmm. they'll go on a studio and they'll talk about right, it. Of course. Or, or, you know, and, and Robin Lanner holds me to this all the time. Like Eric, why aren't we, when one person says something amongst our group, let's get five people chiming in all talking together. Right. Because when you do that, it means that there's no ego behind it. And it means that you're doing it because you want to help, because you want to move the conversation forward. 
And I felt that, you know, about your family from the beginning. So when Kathy connected us, I actually spoke with your dad. And we're going to dive into, you know, because we have to, we do have to discuss openly the topic of suicide. It's an important thing for us to discuss so we can reverse the trends. And and your dad was willing to be so vulnerable with me as I was, you know, had been up until that point vulnerable with people about my own experience with the ideations I had never attempted. But my hope in that in that time was, and we'll get deeper into this, was to help your dad understand that where the brain can go oftentimes is not a conscious choice of, oh, for, for, for 20 days now, I've been wanting to do this. Now's my day to do this, right? It's, it's, a, it's a break in a way. And, and I think that helps family members understand. And I've read your, your dad even say, you know, um, this is why we don't use the term commit. It's why we use the term die by suicide, right? Um, so, you know, obviously it's a tragedy that happened to your family, Ryan, and, and, but your, your family, it seems like, again, from what I've got to know them have always been down to earth, good people. Right. And, and, it, and in a way, am I right by, by making an observation that that fabric that makes your family up, the strength that your mom and your dad have is the reason why you all from the day we were talking about this before we got on. So if you want to dive into this that most uh, suicides that we hear about, the family's in denial, or you know, they, they, the, the media will say, you know, in fairness to the family, we're not releasing information. And your family from the beginning was pretty open, honest, and direct about it. So if you don't mind going a little bit yeah. to that. Yeah, I think with our family, and I'm thankful for my parents being so grounded. I remember I was like five years old one time, we had gone to church every weekend. And one day we were going to miss church and I started crying and we ended up going to church and we've been to church ever since. <laughs> so that's, that's how grounded we are to this earth. Um, and I'm very thankful for them. But I think when it comes to suicide and the followers and all that stuff, it's great because I have that platform to talk about it, but I, I couldn't care less about that type of stuff. I care about the connection with the person. I care about the connection with real conversations. And I think with my parents and Kelly, like we, even before Tyler had passed, we struggled and we talked about it before we, our brains have gone to places of, you know, dark, like after a bad game, where, where does our head go? You know, during that week, after a bad week of school, where does our head go? We talk about that. And I think when that evidence came in um, and we knew that Tyler was alone and we knew that this stuff was coming in, we had to accept that fact because that was the fact and we have to do something about it. And I think now I talked to a couple of teammates about it earlier this week um, that it's becoming a forefront issue. And before my junior year, before Tyler had passed, I wasn't really, I didn't talk about mental health like I do now, of course. Um, but I think it's such a prevalent issue in this world and not just with football players, with people around the country. I, if I send out a story, if I send out a tweet, if I say something in the media, you'll, you'll, get, you'll, get, you'll get more DMs than people even realize. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, it was me too. It's the same, the same thing. I was like, holy crap. And they're the most genuine DMs from people like that. I never get. Yeah. And then you can have a real conversation with people, real conversation with real people that have real experiences that have gone that have gone through the same thing. And that story, you sharing your story, somebody sharing their story, somebody sharing their experience literally can make their week can make get them through that day. They can follow up and say, OK, here's what would happen. You know, if I did do that, what would happen to my love? What, what would happen to my world? What would happen to the people around me? And I think just being such a ground-based family, 
and having such great parents. Um, and I, of course, the sad, tragic story of Tyler, um, it, it, it hurts. But sharing that story and creating Holinsky's hope and finding out that Tyler was suffering, you know, in silence, it saves, it's saving so many lives every single day because people are finding that courage within themselves to say, you know what, I can do it. It, it doesn't have to be a starting quarterback because everybody in this world struggles, whether you're a starting quarterback or you're a person that's working a nine to five job, everybody's got their own demons and you got you got to fight that person and you're not going to win it together. And I've always, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, you know, Football, you can't run a successful play with 10 people. You've got to run a successful play with 11 people. Same thing in life. You can't go throughout a whole day trying to fight all the stuff in your head by yourself. You can talk to people about it. You can go on podcasts like this, share stories, talk to people about what's going on in your head. And it just it just makes me and it makes that person even feel so better because they can reciprocate their stories, their feelings and all of that stuff. So I think that's the best way to answer your question and just knowing that we had to accept that fact and attack the issue as quick as we could to prevent it from happening to anybody else. I, I, I thought the most interesting thing was, you know, we talk about these stereotypes and the stereotypes of story. And one of the stories that you always hear is like, you know, well, he didn't tell us, um, you know, well, he didn't tell us, or we were kind of a closed family and we feel guilty about that. Part of the story with Tyler is that like you were in a closed family, right? There is, there, there was nothing that would close, you know, and, and so that is a, that's different from the stereotype of we didn't realize he was suffering, but he, he would have talked to us, we believe, under the system that we lived in. So it's interesting to see that part of the story come out because everyone paints the died by suicide as the same exact path. And people have different paths. Some people know they're killing themselves or they're dying by suicide. Some yeah. people... Some people don't. Some people yeah. have no idea what they're doing. Right. I think I think, you know, that point is so important as I'm hearing you talk, Ryan. And, and again, as I spoke to your parents, because my own experience, I don't ever remember feeling this thing called suicidal. Right. And then I'm laying in bed for two and a half years trying to find the right combination of psychotropic drugs to knock me out of this thing. And one night I can't fall asleep. And the next morning, I just see this bottle of pills on my counter. And this thought goes on in my head. Swallow that bottle, swallow that bottle, swallow that bottle, swallow that bottle. I tell people who are sports fans, you, you're probably too young for this movie, Ryan, although hopefully your parents showed it to you. There's a movie called Naked Gun back in the day with Leslie Nielsen. And Reggie Jackson's in the outfield. And the he's got this uh, honing device on his neck. And, and he keeps saying out, because the, the Queen of England is in the stands, is like, must kill the Queen, must kill the Queen. And like nothing else is in his head. And that's what it feels like when those ideations come over. And, and to, to like for people who are listening, we're hearing how grounded you are. And to and and for me to give a, a firsthand account of how grounded your whole family is, I unfortunately never got to meet Tyler, right? So so it's safe to assume, right? You you knew him your whole life, that Tyler was was cut from the same cloth, was the same way. And so for people to hear that is so important because. I think you believe in your heart of hearts. I think your family believes in your heart of hearts that if it was a choice, if it was something, hey, I'm just not feeling great. I don't want to be here anymore. You wouldn't have done it. And, and, and that's why we don't use terms like commit. That's why we need to have these conversations in a proactive way about what ideations feel like so that when they, yeah, when they take us over, 
were prepared for them instead of the anxiety. I mean, it scared the shit out of me when that feeling came over me. So I could only imagine, you know, what Tyler was feeling in that moment. Right. And, 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 you know, Ryan, if you wouldn't mind, you talked a little bit about, I think, you know, share as much as you're comfortable with or not, but, you know, you talked about how you and Tyler were open about some dark feelings that you had had even before that. I think that's so healthy. Number one, I think number two, it's a beautiful thing that you guys shared can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think family yeah. members should feel open sharing with each other. I think, well, first off, there's no difference between me and say you, Eric, or Darren, or Theo, or a kid that can solve a math problem that I can never solve. I can throw a football 50 yards. Great. He can't do that. But I could probably never solve a math problem that he's solving right now or something like that. What makes it different? Okay, I'm playing on TV. Who cares? You know, he's solving a math problem that I can solve. We're all the same person kind you know what i'm saying yep, like we all, we're all come up and we all have different qualities but we're all human beings which is i think is the most important first part to understand and then i think with family i think people think especially with having two older brothers and being in a football generation um we kind of we the painted picture outside looking in our family would be like oh they're tough they don't talk about this stuff you know they go through life they're hard shelled but i think with us tyler and i you know, if it, we had a bad game, I remember this is funny. And my junior year, I threw for 500 yards, 550 yards, and five touchdowns one game. And then I'm like, okay, you're not going to beat that, you know, competitive brothers and stuff. The next day, the next night, Saturday night, Tyler plays Boise State, leads a 16 point comeback victory in double overtime on Saturday night, Pac 12 in the dark, and like just is going crazy. My mom's there and stuff like that. And, you know, we're on top of the world. But the thing is, the next week, they go to a bowl game. They play Michigan State. Tyler starts. They end up losing by 30 points. <clears throat> I'm in San Diego with him, and I can tell. You know, you can tell something was wrong with him, and he was going down. So ended up walking on the beach, talked a little bit about life, talked about what was going on. Um, and if you just have those little interactions, those little conversations, it's a picnic. And I think when you get attacked by those ideations in your head, th that mental illness that creeps into your head, I don't think you can fight that by yourself because when you're sitting in a dark room in your bed on your covers and you start thinking about stuff that's not your family, that's not any other human being, that's stuff that can't help you, that's that's stuff that's coming into your brain that's just like, okay, give up, give up, give up. That's the human being in us to give up. But And it's so easy to accept that. But success is free and finding your human being, your brother, your sister, your cousin, your best friend, whoever it is, that's free. All you have to do is just talk about it. And that's the biggest, I think, step that we have to take as society, you know, going moving forward. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, to hear your account of it, I mean, my my theory on it is, and I told your dad, Mark, this is we're wired as humans for survival, right? Food, yeah. shelter, water, clothing, right? Right. And I it feels like when it happens in your brain, that same path that your brain goes down where like I'm thirsty and I need this water now or I can't move forward. It's like your brain does a 180. So to your point about needing the help, that's why we want to teach people when they have these feelings. We want to teach them what the feelings are. So you don't feel like what I felt like when it was happening of like, I'm an alien. There's no one in the world who's ever felt this before. This is the weirdest freaking thing in the world. It's not a weakness. You know, like I know these are cliches to say a heart can fail, a liver can fail, a brain can start to fail, right? 
and 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 that's not a weakness in anyone. If anything, I'd say you know you were bringing up a great example, Ryan, like the guy who does the math equation. Your brain gets taxed when you're watching film and you're preparing for a game. That guy who's you know the the quantum physicist, <laughs> his brain gets taxed pretty bad too. Right? Yeah, and, and, and oftentimes the people who are working the hardest and are and are their nose to the ground, like Darren is probably in, joking around with the cryptocurrency, is when your brain is so focused on something that you're going, going, going all the time. That's when the break can happen, right? Exactly. Yeah, I, th- I think it's. I think the one thing that I think of is like you're climbing the top peak of a mountain and you're getting there you're going all the way up you're climbing steadily and then all of a sudden an avalanche happens and it knocks you all the way back down to the bottom and you're not going to climb that mountain again so i think when i think about that too is okay if you're not going to climb that mountain by yourself you're going to have two other people come with you you're going to tie ropes around your waist and you're going to start climbing that mountain together back again and i think that's the best analogy that i could think for it um and i think when those thoughts come into your head it's just like having one or two people that kind of punch those things away you know like they're coming onto the screen and they're kicking them off the screen for you um and i think that's the best way to talk about it yeah for for me for me uh I had a, a big breakdown in 2010. I was at the Olympics in uh, Vancouver, and I'm on TV every day, and I'm going through hell. And, you know, people didn't know it, but I called in my girlfriend who became my wife. Um, I called in my brother. He was staying in, you know, he, he, he was coming in. Um, you know, when I get back, I'm going on the road. I actually went on the road. I'm like, I can't go on the road, but I can't, I can't stop my job. I got to keep going. My dad, my, I couldn't drive because I was a wreck. My dad drove me to two or three interviews. He's sitting in the car the whole, you know, like when it, when, when it comes down, you know, you need people to, to, to lean on. And I remember that time from, you know, 11 years ago, like, you know, I mean, it was important for me at the time. I didn't, you can't, I wasn't telling my story within it, but you know, it was important for me at the time to, to at least show up every day and and the only way I was doing it was just leaning on people like crutches. Exactly. And I, and I'm, I'm a big Catholic guy, like I said earlier in the in the podcast, and I think of Jesus as bearing the cross. And I think, you know, Simon helped him come carry that cross with him. Um, and I think, you know, your parents, your sister, your brother, whoever it is, comes and carries that cross with you. It's huge. And I think it's big time. And I'll be the first one to say that when, when I transferred here from South Carolina, I struggled. I, I did. I had... T- two parents that were doing Helinski's Hope all the time. You know, I didn't want to bother them with a son, you know, that's going through this transfer process and then he needs help, but they're doing all that they can for me. And then I've got an older brother who's already gone through it. And he was a year apart from Tyler, who was, they were super close. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm here by myself. What am I going to do? You know, all this stuff. And then I snap out of it and I'm just like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm, I'm talking, I got to talk to somebody. So I talked to my brother, I go outside, we hit golf balls off the lake, biodegradable golf balls. So we're good. We're not doing anything bad. Don't ruin that lake, buddy. (laughs) So we do, we do. If you just do those little things, it's, it's just amazing how much better you feel. You go on a walk, you feel the sun on your skin, you feel the grass in your hands, whatever it is. I mean, I, everybody is built as a human being and that human being in you is always going to say, okay, like I'm going to lock up, I'm going to throw the key away and stuff like that. But I think you have to go grab that key, give it to somebody else. They open it up for you and you guys talk about it. And I think that's the biggest step that I've taken um, and that we're trying to help other people take as well. So stemming off of what happened in South Carolina, um, we ended up creating a tool called Lifesaver where L-I-F-E 
kind of like the stop, drop, and roll of suicide prevention, right? And Hayden's in the video. And now, you know, for everyone who's listening, Kim and Mark and the Linsky Hope Foundation, we're now all coming together with NAMI of, of, of South Carolina and all working together and doing stuff in schools around suicide prevention programming. So it, what, what, what both, you know, Ryan just shared openly, um, what Darren shared openly about his own experience and needing to lean on people, right? Like, why aren't we making this such a, 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 a louder conversation that these are feelings that, by the way, like a lot more people have suicidal thoughts than ever catch on fire. <laughs> like, I, I can say that unequivocally, right? And and so for that reason, putting it out there and making it so much more public is is so important. And Ryan, you talked, I mean, with Theo joining us now, you talked about the transition going from South Carolina to um, to Northwestern and, and Theo's talked a lot about, um, when he was young and his escape blade went over his bicep and he had to take a season off, right. Or transitioning out of playing in the NHL, the, the perception Ryan would be, well, Ryan's going to a new school. He's guaranteed right. starter there. School's yeah. playing awesome. Right. It's a fun place to be in the Midwest. Like, it's awesome. I'll give, you, I'll give you the counter for it. And the counter is, you know, okay, Ryan's going to a completely new place. He knows yes. not one person there. His family is not, I mean, thankfully, my family and my parents are close. So they got an apartment up here, but I'm not with them living like I was with them in South Carolina. School is completely harder than it was at, at South Carolina. Football, it's not a guarantee. Coach Fitz is going to make you work for everything that you get. Uh, and it's just completely different and it's way colder. I'll say that too. So that plays a factor. Um, but that's, that's the behind the scenes that people don't understand. And yep. it's not just for me. You could see somebody get a new job that has a wife and two kids on the opposite side of the country. Okay. I've got to go live at that job for right. you know, a year until my wife and kids get there. I can't see them. What happens then? And it's just taxing and it goes on and people always try and see that brighter side, but they don't think about the darker side. And that's the beauty, yeah. the beauty of you telling your story, of Theo telling a story, of Hayden telling a story, of everyone telling their stories. And this is where I want to get Theo to chime in a little bit is your stories while you're athletes and you're on a big stage are so applicable to everyone. You just gave a great example of let's take the marketing director at a big time organization who gets a chief marketing officer spot across the country and everyone's like you're moving to a new city with you know beautiful weather there and you're going to be able to afford you know easier standard of living lower standard you know no lower costs you know and your and your kids are going to go to great schools and then you're like i need to prove myself to a staff all over again i need to come up with brand new ideas so they think i was worth this investment they made in me right and like all the while taking care of your family yeah all while taking care and people are going to say boo-hoo you got this great spot it is a lot of pressure. It's Theo, you want to talk about the layering of stress and trauma that you talk about all the time? Yeah. So, you know, I played most of my career Hi, in Calgary. Hi. 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 Hey, Ryan. Um, I played awful. So I'm not in a good mood. So <laughs> I golf terrible today. So, um, you know, I, I went from a situation where, uh, you know, I was the guy in Calgary, and uh, it's a small city. Uh, everybody on our team is close. Uh, families hang out together. We're always together 24-7. So I go to New York, 
I signed a four year, $28 million deal. Okay. And, uh, you know, I think I can handle it. So I remember the first exhibition game, I'm driving on the Hudson Parkway and uh, I look up and there is a like larger than life size billboard with my picture on it. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, okay, so here we are, you know, and I'm driving down, I'm driving down to Madison Square Garden. And, uh, you know, I always prided myself on being a guy that, you know, performed under pressure. You know, nothing bothered me, nothing got to me, you know, all this stuff. So I go to New York, you know, I got the Nike deal. I got, like, I got everything. I got it all. I got it all. First year, I score 14 goals. I've averaged almost 30 my whole entire career. I score 14 goals, and the team's awful. And, you know, we spent, I don't even know, I think we spent $100 million on free agents to go to New York. And, uh, but when I got there, half the guys lived in the city and half the guys lived out in the suburbs. And I'm like, this is weird. This is strange, you know, because we were always together in Calgary, like always together. And because we were a Western Conference team, we spent like two weeks, three weeks on the road together, you know. In New York, I was sleeping in my bed every night. I'm like, I don't like this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I miss I miss hanging out with the boys okay. and going out after the games and, yeah. you know, all that stuff. Okay. And so, um, and, you know, I, I, I didn't even notice the pressure, but it started to build and it started to build and it started to build. And then all of a sudden, wham, next thing you know, you know, I'm flat on my back looking up at the, the lights in Madison Square Garden because I just passed out because, you know, at that point, I don't really know, and, <laughs> you know, and, uh, but, you know, could have, been, could have been the cocaine, could have been the vodka, could have been tired. Yeah, it was you know, several different things, you know, so, but, but I chimed in when you were saying, Darren, about, you know, you know, mental health is not once a year. Okay. It's not once a year. For me, it's every single day of my life. And I get a daily reprieve based on what I do to help, you know, with my mental illness. And, you know, people don't realize that, that, you know, you're never, you're, it's never, you, you, it's never the end. No, it's like, it's always there, you know? And, you know, if you add in different factors, like, you know, physically, I'm not great because I played, a, you know, I played a robust style. And so, you know, I have lots of neck problems, back problems, you know, arthritis, all this stuff. And so, you know, it's, it's actually my physical uh, um, being that kicks up my emotional stuff, right? Because the brain doesn't decipher between emotional and physical pain, right? And so, you know, there's a lot of days I'm walking around the house, I'm like, okay, do I have anxiety or am I in physical pain? You know, because I was basically in physical pain my whole entire life. So physical pain is pretty comfortable. You know, I can tolerate physical pain. It's when I allow that physical pain to, 
you know, increase my anxiety because I'm also a hypochondriac too, right? Every, every little thing that's wrong with me, you know, I'm dying. I got a brain tumor. I got CTE. I got CTE. So this is the conversation I'm having inside of my head. Right. And then I sometimes say to myself, well, why don't I just fucking end it all? And I'm like, okay, where did that come from? You know, just out of, just out of the blue, you know, I don't act on it. You know, I get on the phone and I talk to Eric or I call Kim or, you know, and I say, you know, what's this all about? And, you know, they, they both assure me that, you know, this is just part of having mental illness that sometimes your brain fucks off and, you know, and goes on a tangent and, and, you know, you need external, uh, external brains to come in and calm down, you know, what's going on. And so, um, so yeah. And, you know, I can't reiterate enough that mental illness is a daily battle. It's a daily battle. Some days are, some days I'm really good at it, and other days I'm really shitty at it. You know, and 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 that's, you know, that's that's it's true. I mean, one one thing can affect you know your day is going amazing, and if you're a type of person that's a school guy and you get a bad grade on a test, and then your grade goes to shit, and excuse my language. And then you're just, you're, you're like, okay, well now you start thinking, you start sleeping and then you can't sleep. You're thinking about grades and talking about as a football player. I mean, I I don't go through this every day, but waking up at six o'clock, sometimes you're thinking, okay, well, I kind of want to hit the snooze button and go back to sleep. But then what happens if I miss a workout? What happens if I get a call from our coach and my opportunity is gone just like that? And then you got to start thinking about all these other things going on. And it is, it is an absolute daily battle. Yeah. I can't imagine how often you, cause you, you have to learn that playbook. Yeah. Like, and you have to learn it. Like it's the back of your Yeah. Head, it's like right? you're counting to the hundred. Yeah. yeah. Cause I remember, I remember like nah, when you when you got guys like Pete Skaronsky protecting you, you got like three more seconds. <laughs> we so just left good, the left yeah. side. We'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I gotta throw out. I remember if we would lose a game yeah. and I had a chance that nine times out of ten I buried and I missed the whole night. I am going through I'm going over and over and over and over. I'm, I missed like, a touchdown uh my second start against Alabama at South Carolina. And it was a, it was a pretty routine. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a no mistake place and no yeah. mistake zone. It, it is exactly right. And I remember I watched the TV copy like after season. And I remember that night I was up all night. I'm like, I make this throw all the time in practice. We've gone over that exact play we've done. And I'm, I'm going over it in my head. I'm like, I didn't miss that. I did not miss that throw, you know? And then I watched the TV copy and the reporter is saying, you know, Helensky's going to be not sleeping tonight because of that one. And, you know, it's, it's a play that you won't, you might not think about it in 20 years or it might not be as important, but it's, it's taxing. It's something that, that comes into your head and can creep in. And Eric, that, that goes to obsession. That's what I, I would. You, you just took the words out of my mouth. Is we're talking about this in the construct of an athlete right now, right? So let's let's first talk about an athlete, but then again, in the spirit of what we're discussing, mm-hmm. talk about it, how this can apply to anyone. Is yeah. when we're learning our craft and we're a high performer, and the coaches in your ear every day and saying, "Ryan, 
Study the playbook. Ryan, you missed that play. You're saying to yourself, even in practice, forget about big game against Alabama, right? God, that guy was wide open. I missed him, right? Or you're doing, you know, weights in the gym and, and you, you try to jump on a plyometric box and your leg doesn't land the way you want to. And you're like, I need to be perfect because I need to have great balance for when I'm back in the pocket, right? And so we applaud that behavior. We believe that behavior is good. We believe that way of thinking is good. And the challenge is our coaches are in our ears all the time saying things like, you know, forget the last play, move on to the next one. You're, you're Let's go. Let's go. You know, like, and, 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 and coaches kind of, you know, are pushing us, make sure you're looking at the next play, make sure you're watching the next video. So they're reinforcing the same things that we believe about ourselves as athletes. Right. And then the challenge is the way that we get better and hyper-focused as athletes isn't necessarily the most productive way (laughs) to follow our life paths when it comes to out of sport. Right. So now in fairness to, to, for everyone to be able to understand that the accountant or the CFO at a company who's, you know, the, the, the CEO is saying, why isn't this number right? And the accountant's up until two in the morning. I got to get every decimal point in the right place. Right. And, and the marketing director saying, Oh, we got to make sure the ROI on this particular, you know, retargeting digital ad is the right way, right? So we throw ourselves in our work and our passion, whatever we do every day to be the best at what we do. And we do obsess over it. There's no other way. This is Theo where you're using the term obsession and where there's that gray area between OCD that they call it and, 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 and just being obsessed about being good. But I think it's almost like your brain has to be trained in two different ways. The discipline of what your main focus of what you love doing and what your passion is and then your life and what you're living day to day and you have to recognize that your brain is going into the same patterns of the unproductive stuff as it is the productive stuff does that make sense Ryan? it does make sense and i think i found a happy medium with it and i think the coaches at northwestern are great coach coach bajakian is i mean he's awesome he's one of those guys where it's like He'll, like, he'll make a joke and he'll be like, hey, you say it again. No, I'm just telling people he's the offensive coordinator. Yeah, no, he, he, he knows, he knows what he's doing and he, he reiterates just that type of stuff. And I, I talked to him about this briefly, but I think there's a fine line between separating that football life and then your actual life. And I think whenever you're in the building and then, you know, that's obviously football time and you can obsess over it and you can try and think about all of these things and what can go right, what can go wrong. And then at the, it, it's obviously, it's not as easy as it sounds, but at the flip of a switch, you go into your other side of your brain where you're thinking, okay, now I'm going to start calming down and it's all that stuff. But it, it makes sense to me because I've lived that every day. Even your purpose as an individual, right? Like yeah. Theo, you know, I, you're going to chime in here because I was Eric, the sports executive. Even when I was outside of the office, I'm thinking of myself that my friends are reaching out to me being like, oh, Eric works for this team. Can he get me tickets? I'm not thinking myself as like totally separate. Eric, the uncle, Eric, the friend, right? And and feel like your career, you're you're this freaking- That's why athletes have so much trouble when they leave because they're only defined as that. So they're a failure, but the minute they retire, they're a failure in life because that's all they were. We see it with, you know, Theo, to piggyback off this this observation I made, I saw Ron Artest, because he puts himself out there on LinkedIn all the time, so Meta World Peace, and he's writing these posts that, like, a, 
kid coming out of college at 22 would write. And I mean that in the most lovable way. He's like, I'm investing in these companies and they're and I'm and I'm tracking how they're doing on the stock market. And this is awesome. They're, he's like, who knew I was good at these things, right? It, it, it's a beautiful thing to watch as a person's other personality and other things about them start to blossom. Sorry, Theo, go ahead. No, it's fine. You know, one thing that came to me in this conversation, and I never really considered myself to be one of these people, but I was a workaholic as well. You know, because when you're an athlete, uh, you know, you, you show up at the rink and they expect you to work as hard as in the practice as you are in the game, right? You know, we always say, you know, if you work hard in practice, the games are easier because it's more structured, right? more structured and you know so so that obsessive compulsive workaholic you know is all tied in, right is all tied yeah. into this and which is, what you know, makes when you a team, which is what makes you a genius on the ice which is what makes you a you know like again like i have you know no focus but i have all the focus so so have you have you ever heard the phrase self-care. Yes. Do they talk about that in the locker room? Does the coach talk about that? The, every it... every Wednesday right now we have recovery. Uh, it's a recovery day. And then we have a sports psych. Um, it's optional, but everybody usually goes to it. And we have a lady that talks about self-care, talks about physical, mental health and stuff. Let's like that. go. So let's go. We make it 50 important on schools. 50 yeah. D1 schools That's, that have sports psych. So, yeah. you know, and Northwestern awesome. being one of them. Yeah. And it, it's, 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 it's more than helpful. And the amount of. That's going to add years on to your, your professional career. No question. Cause, cause you know what our self care was? Go drink 24 beer. That was considered 12 self care. <laughs> Go hang out with the guys and drink 24 beer. Yeah. That's self-care. At South Carolina, um, this is going back to what Mr. Darren said. It it the identity of you finding yourself as and what you said, Mr. Aaron, is that you I define myself at my freshman year, I define myself as Ryan Holinsky, the quarterback. And that's all I knew who I was. And I would go to dinner and there would be people be like, oh my God, it's the starting quarterback in South Carolina. Like, let's take a picture of him. And then halfway through the year, I realized I'm doing a lot more than just football. I, I started doing speakings at schools. I started reaching out to people that were reaching out to me. I started passing out Holinsky's Hope Bands. I started sharing my story and to the point where it became 50-50. But obviously, I'm still bought into football 100%. But that's just not all who I am. And I think people have found that happy medium. And I, I'm going back to what Mr. Did said, you Did you get any criticism because you went 50-50? I did. I did get a lot of criticism. And I won't, I won't Nate, but there's people closely tied to the football program who were upset that I was so involved with Linsky's hope that they felt it was distracting me from my purpose of football. So that, that was tough. For, for, for everyone out there, yeah. for everyone out there who thinks that, okay. Hear it from Ryan, hear from Theo, hear from myself. I know Darren's experiencing it now. When you have an outlet for something else, your focus on your primary task at hand, and maybe primary is unfair because you're saying 50-50, but it is primary in your it life. Is. It is, yeah. You get better at it. You don't get worse. <laughs> you have more room to focus. You have more 
uh, a space in that brain. Well, you're you using to... a different part of your exactly. brain. Yeah. And it's not <laughs> yeah. taxing. Every single thought yeah. in your head is football, football, football. Yeah. No, it's okay. I'm going to set this a lot of time or whatever to do all that other stuff. And then I could come back to football later and stuff. Like it's. Well, I, I see, I see the charity work stuff as a very spiritual practice, right? You know what I mean? Because it makes you feel so incredibly good. It, that is 100% true. Is, you know what I mean? And by the way, how many people that are in college, like, you know, right, it's it, it's a tragedy, right, what happened with Tyler. It, it's also a gift to you and your family in purpose that you're able to serve and give back and have that spirituality. Well, a gift to us. A, a gift to, a gift to us. But, but I'm speaking about the person first. Darren, because because we're talking about athletes, we're talking about people. Because we're going to get into the Cole Brennan thing of when when we do feel like our purpose is just the main area of focus that we are at that time. Ryan, the quarterback, right? And then I remember being a little kid and looking at you know adults, right, like these older people, and they were wearing like the leukemia jello jump shirt or whatever it was. And I'm like, why are they interested in that? Like, how did they find that? And then as you get older, you find out, oh, people went through shit with their family or themselves. And now they're, you know, they found them find themselves really being into this cause. And for you, in a way, almost, you know, to Theo's point, I think it probably makes you a better and going to be longer tenured quarterback over the course of your career because you found purpose. You know, not to say that you wouldn't trade at all, right? We lo- all love that Tyler here, but 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 that you have purpose now. I think there's a lot of people who don't have that, and and you 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 kind of you know um, I, made I me have think more, of- I have more energy and more enthusiasm and more fun to give football. When I yep. split it in between all of those, it's amazing. I think it's awesome to hear. Yeah. And and it, the reason I bring it up, Tyler, I, I won't I won't mention names, but people can kind of guess because of the years it was around. But when I started working for the NBA, you know, two thousand one to two thousand five, and my friends were jealous because I'm going to the All Star game and I'm working with either the rookie or the sophomore team or the East West, the East or West team. And I'm going on the bus with them and in the locker room with them, and and some of my friends would be like, "What were they like?" and you know, when we were alone in a car together in a bus, some of them had amazing personalities, but some of them, like, you couldn't talk to them about anything. And and at first, like, the, my first year doing it, I was like, maybe I'm just the young 22-year-old that, like, they don't really give a shit to, to speak to. But then I realized, like, if it wasn't about basketball, they didn't have anything else to talk about. It wasn't just me. I saw them around other people. So developing as a full person and how how important that is is just incredible. Incredibly important. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Well, when I was, you know, one of the things that our organization, the Calgary Flames, when I got here, not only were you expected to be a good player, but you were all, you were expected to be a part of the community. You know, and you, you know, they gave you a charity to champion. You know, and. I can tell you that those experiences that I had away from the rink, meeting different people, like I met all kinds of businessmen and, and you know, I'm a curious guy. So I ask, ask questions, you know, how, how did you become successful? You know, tell me about your product. How did you create this product? And, you know, how do you sell it? How do you move it? How do you market it? You know, and, and, and I was really curious about that stuff because, you know, my whole entire brain, you know, that, 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 pro athlete brain, you know, me, I needed it to shut down, you know, and, and I just wanted to be normal. 
Yeah. You know? and, doing, and doing charity stuff, like there's so much humility in there. There's so much inspiration in there. And, and you're away from your sport and you're thinking, I'm yeah. doing this. At, Those people at don't me. care who you are. Right. Just get your well, people then get people then get to meet you, the person, not you, you know, the football star, the hockey star. And they're like, wow, this guy's like really smart. And he's, you know, he's, he's intelligent and he's curious. And, you know, I, I don't, right? I don't, I don't want to uh, pump up Northwestern too much because people will think it's gross. But <laughs> uh, one, one of the things that Pat Fitzgerald does is he says that this decision is a 40 year decision, not a four year decision. And when you think of everything in that context, it just makes it, the atmosphere of being a college football player that much more healthier because it because because it's not about winning in the moment it's about learning things and you know it's 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 about getting somewhere in life and this is going to be a life experience and that takes the pressure off that every throw means everything it's that it's a it's a it's an entire package of this building up your next 40 years and that's and that's I feel like easier for your game too. When when coach relieves that stress, you go out there and have fun. You play the game that you've been playing for a while. And I think another credit that I was going to talk about that at Northwestern, and I love my guys at South Carolina. I love them. But the guys here at Northwestern, the intellectual conversations and the people that I meet with them and the conversations that I have with those people, I mean, I, I'll, I'll come in the morning at six in the morning. You know, you're, you're tired. You're like, I want to go back to bed. We're about to run one tens. It's like, what, you know, but then you start having conversations with guys and it's not even about football. Like we talk about something cryptocurrency, if it's that. Or- that, that that's the gift. That's the gift. That's the, I'm going to cry here. Cause like, that's the gift of and, and Eric had it at Cornell, but, but, but uh, Cornell is, much more uptight North, northwestern is is midwest no one cares about your grades everyone just studies and cornell is you know and that that was the other school that i decided not to go to so um but 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 northwestern has the mid midwest mentality everyone's just studying but the gift of that talk yeah right is that is a gift it is, it is you know i get chills thinking about those four years setting up my life sorry no that's completely true you you you're you're reminding me of you're apologizing you know, for going to Northwestern. You said sorry. What? I'm sorry for I'm sorry for being. I'm trying not to be gross during the, the. This is not meant to be like me fun. We're trying to get something done here for mental health. There's nothing wrong with pride. I I got right. it. I got it. All right, Eric. What were you gonna say? That's awesome. Yeah. No, I, you know, uh, um, thank you, Darren, for for the school connection conversations. I I appreciate that. But you know, we 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 talked at the beginning about about Cole Brennan and you know, Ryan, you're you're kind of young potentially to have remembered this, but but curious to get your take on it. When Darren and I were reminiscing, um, unfortunately, when we heard the bad news, you know, he was telling me about the college football fantasy league that they had in. Um, you know, at, in at Britain, ESPN, Britain, Brad ESPN. Edwards was in it. He won it every single year. That guy. I don't know why I even participated in college fantasy football. He'd always take the Hawaii quarterback, whether it was Timmy Chang or or Colt Brennan. Yeah, and so we thought about that. Yeah, but the but these got like you know this was the before the days of the fragmentation of of sports consumption where you could watch something on Twitter live, right? Like in Facebook live, the, the way that you can on, maybe I'm using the wrong terms, but the way that you can on quote cable for us back in the middle two thousands, it was sports center was still a big thing. And like, 
you know, you'd watch the the highlights of Cole Brennan, and especially because he played in Hawaii, it's kind of like this cool, different feel to it. Um, you like the jerseys and stuff, and you just saw this high-powered offense. And it, you know, it, talk if you will about you know the transition because because look in a what I know about your career, it's not the same, right? But but you went from you know a star star high school quarterback to having to compete to be the choice of the backup in South Carolina your first year. I go from being, you know, uh, maybe this doesn't count, but a, a basketball player uh, uh, in, in in high school who's, who's doing pretty well to having to make my way to try and walk on to a basketball team at, at Cornell University, right? Like Theo goes from dominating, um, you know, in, in Calgary to, you know, figuring out after rehab if he can try out for either the Coyotes or or the or the Blackhawks. So talk a little bit about when you're the man somewhere or the woman, right? And and then all of a sudden, like either it's difficult to get back to that perch, yeah. or the perch goes away. I think it's I, I I've actually I've been asked this question before, and I always relate it back to life. I always think you know life's not going to be perfect, and as corny as it sounds, you know you're going to get hit in the face. You're going to have. I always think into the future and I'm not there yet. I'm going to get hit by this in the future, but I'm going to have bills to pay that I can't pay someday maybe, or I'm going to have adversity that I'm going to not be able to overcome and I'm going to need somebody else to help me get there. And I think in high school, you know, all of these stars and accolades and all this stuff, I could, I, I don't really care about it. It's, it's a t- I always say team first and the individual goals will come with it. But I think going from, you know, being on the Elite 11 show and going from uh, no followers to all these followers and people following me on Twitter and all this stuff and then going to college and being a backup, that's that was my role. I accepted my role. And I think that's the bet. That's the thing you can do. What what can you do with the reps that you're given? What can you do with the position that you're given and uh, to perform to the best of your ability? And I think if you can attack that goal or that thing that you're given to the best of your ability there's nothing else that you can do and you know i started i played freshman year varsity football in high school and then i played as a sophomore then i played as a junior then a senior and then of course i go and back up jake bentley he hurts his ankle and then i get thrust into the spotlight but the reason i found success in some of that early in the season was that i accepted my role early on and i let the coaches prepare me for what i needed to do and i performed to the best of my ability all the while keeping my mind right within. And when I say that, I think, okay, I'm not going to let my head get too big. I'm not going to let anything come in my way. That's going to distract me from the tasks that I have at hand to not let those other 10 guys down and the 11 guys on defense down. So that that's probably the best way I would go about it. And I think obviously that sounds amazing and that sounds like everything went as planned for me but obviously it didn't we moved from the west coast to the east coast it's a completely different lifestyle i left all of my friends i'm living with my parents and my brother older brother kelly and it's like okay like this is completely different i i my only friend when i first got there was kelly it was my older brother and I had no other friends. So I'm going to practice in the morning. I go to school and then I come back home to Kelly. And I love Kelly. I love my older brother, of course. But sometimes your older brother can get a little old, right? You, you know, you need a little couple other people. So times did get dark. You know, times did think, okay, what if I don't get my time in college? You know, what if what if next year they bring in a guy, which they did. 
And, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, like, what do I do now? You know? And I think that coming back to Mr. Theo's point, mental health is an every single day thing. And you have to wake up in the morning and expect stuff to get thrown at you and then be able to bat that stuff down and say, you know what, I'm stronger than that. Or phone a friend, whatever game show you want to call it and say, Hey, I need you, man. I, I, I need this. So the beginning to that answer sounds great, but everything in between that journey, it wasn't pretty, obviously. And I, and I needed help at times and I had to find myself again at times too. But you, but Ryan, you it, like, as you're telling that story and that, so, so one is you've got a supportive family who I think helped you to develop that perspective. Your, your, your role that you went into um, after being this star uh, quarterback in high school, even though it wasn't a star starter at South Carolina, it was still a role that you're playing within football. So you're coming from football to football. And I, and, and I, I just want to, what I want to dive into, because you said you're going to be, have to be prepared for it at some point in your life. Theo, you did have to go through it at a point in your life. This crisis that happens when the thing that we were known for, right? So like, Ryan, you went and you, even though you were, you know, a backup, you could go through the plays and be ready for when, when you're called upon. But Colt likely, I'm guessing, this is not fair for me to assume with Hawaii, but the way the times were, there probably wasn't a sports psychologist at Hawaii would be my guess at the time, right? And it probably wasn't emphasized if there was the way that it needs to be now. And, you know, he's no, and I've read stuff now since the passing where he feels like he let his fans down. He let his family down by not fulfilling. He gets by, for, by the way, for everyone listening, he gets drafted. I think it was the sixth round of the NFL draft by, by Washington, the Redskins at the time um, gets injured that first year, never to play in the NFL again. Right. And so you go from this height of being on sports center every single day to now what I'm known as a person is whoop, right. It's not, it's not Colt gets a chance to be, you know, Peyton Manning's backup, you know, uh, on the Indianapolis Colts. It's, he's not in football. But that's why, that's why while you're in the moment, while you're at the top, that's why you have to redefine yourself while you're at the you're top. Exactly right. Because no you can't. Yeah. Because you can't. You can't. You you can't be. You you might not be able to recover if you don't define yourself yeah. as as anything else yeah. by what that thing. What, was. what you said, Mister Darren, is completely right. Because I recently just found this, and I I've never been happier in my life than right now in this moment or i mean earlier in the week whatever i'm happy with you guys yeah so um but the thing is like i found myself being happy with myself and i think that's the biggest thing that that people lose sight of they want to meet these expectations of breaking records winning championships doing this doing that but what about you what do you want to prove to yourself because that's the only person you have to prove anything to and like, you know, I, my dad drives me to all these workouts and pays for all this stuff. And of course I want to pay him back, but he doesn't, he doesn't care if I get to the league or not. He only cares if I get to the league because that's been my goal. And that's what I've wanted to prove to myself since I was a kid. So it's really just you defining your goals within and meeting those goals. And you'll find 
what you've been looking for instead of searching for approval from Twitter, from Instagram and those likes and those retweets and all that stuff that doesn't even matter. Cause I cared about that stuff so much my freshman year. And it was the stupidest thing looking back on it now, because that stuff has zero influence on who's a starter, who, who works the hardest. They don't see any of the stuff behind the scenes and they don't know what you're going through on a day-to-day basis. Only you do. And if you're seeking happiness or a, a, a bump up or whatever it is to make you happy. Dopamine. Yeah. Yeah. From, from likes and stuff like that. That's just fake. It's, it's nothing that's going to help you because then you're just going to crash back down. That's, that's why when people say, how do you do it every day? People killing you on Twitter and says, cause they don't, they don't matter. Like if I'm, if, if I'm authentic and I'm genuine, like it actually doesn't. Now I do like Eric knows I do like to tangle. I come to fight every day. Um, and I'm not going to back off, but you know that if, if you're who you are, um, it doesn't matter. Ryan, I don't want to take any more of your time here. I listen, uh, this has been awesome, uh, for all of us, hopefully everyone, um, listening. Uh, I want to say that Holinsky's hope foundation has an auction starts May 16th, goes to May 23rd, uh, wine country auction. It's on Holinsky's Go there. You can win a private concert with who? Theo no. In the Death Valley Rebels? We have a private concert up there. There's um, there's like a, a cruise, a Caribbean cruise, right? Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. some good stuff up there. Yeah, there's some good stuff. Uh, so, so, so check that out and check out Holinsky's Hope and all they do. Eric, you have a, Eric or Theo, you have a closing word to say how amazing Ryan is. Uh, one, I mean, you know, I wish I had the perspective that Ryan has, you know, um, at, at when I was in college. So so it makes me want to root for you that much more, um, you know, on the field. And I've already rooted for you and your family off the field because you guys are doing amazing things. But I'll say this is, is you know, I've been on um, Dr. Nicholson's show, United, you know, that, that, that you all run, mentioned what we're doing in South Carolina with your group is – the mental health puzzle doesn't get solved by, you know, this is no disrespect to him, but Prince Harry putting a stake in the ground and saying, I'm solving mental health because I'm partnering with Oprah right now, right? It gets solved by <laughs> organizations on the ground doing the work, the hard work, and the stuff that you're finding is is fulfilling to you, Ryan. And and it's our honor as an organization to be able to work with you, to be able to work with the Hayden Hurst Family Foundation. This is what it takes. It takes these real conversations for people to be able to hear the nuts and bolts of the shit we go through and to hear all of you say life is not perfect and we all go through our shit. That's what it takes. And so, you know, I I hope everyone took that from this episode is that coming together, sharing, being collaborative is the way towards making change happen. And I guess I'm a Northwestern <laughs> fan now. So. We'll get you a new hat, Theo, since you wear that's your <laughs> yeah. thing, so. No, You know, I, I think college football is one of the greatest things ever, you know. And we don't have that kind of tradition in Canada, you know. Like, I remember one night watching, you know, uh, Tennessee and 106,000 people singing hockey top, all dressed in my yep. favorite color is orange, is <laughs> Orange, I was probably standing on that field. I was probably pooping my 
pooped my pants. That was the that was insane. It is, you know, like I, I've experienced some pretty cool things. You know, being in the Olympics a couple times and playing in the Stanley Cup Finals. But I can't imagine sitting, standing on the field, and 106,000 people singing, singing Rocky Top. That would be. Oh, it's, it's a good it's a good experience there's no doubt about it and now i get to experience going to michigan and, and ohio state and, and doing what we got to do yeah, yeah. so i'll leave it at that <laughs> perfect kick, kick jim harbaugh's ass we got we got one more we got one more year to do it he's gone after this season we got one and, more and darren and i darren <laughs> mixed it up <laughs> All There's right, certainly hey, been thanks, some back and so forth there. Time, Thank Ryan. you guys. I, I appreciate it. it. It's been it's been awesome, and I can't wait to work with you guys going forward and and uh, continue these conversations and, and real experiences. So it's been great. Okay, guys, go cat, go cat. For Eric Houston and Theo Fleury, I'm Darren Ravel. You've been listening to the Same Here Global Mental Health Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. We'll see you next week. You just heard we're all a little crazy. Brought to you by the hashtag Same Here Global Mental Health Movement and the Hockey Podcast Network. Across California, school food professionals are using their skills to develop recipes that incorporate fresher ingredients and more scratch cooking. Learn how they're cooking up change at schoolfoodpros.org. Grant provided by California Community College's Chancellor's Office.